Welcome to another edition of the Superflight Podcast, your Martin Purrier of NBA podcast. Because who doesn't like large, minimalist, really smooth things? I don't know. I'm asking. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Borelli, as always, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. Um, tonight, well, last night, actually, I'm recording this an evening late. Uh, I'm giving you the intro now for the uh, the recording that we did last night. This actually is a really kind of interesting podcast for you guys because it goes up on the Superflight podcast and it also goes up on the Drive and Dish because I had Tim Tompkins from the Drive and Dish podcast uh, come on the show last night and we did a really long NBA podcast. We talked about the playoffs and we talked about some GM stuff and we talked about Rookie of the Year and just a whole bunch of stuff. It was a really great conversation. We were on for about an hour and a half. Um, so I cut a bunch of it out. And Tim, I think, left the rest of it in there. Some of it overlaps, but you'll hear some of it here, like the playoff talk, where I'm going to keep the playoff talking. And even though it's a day late and a dollar short, and you'll hear Tim reference this later in the podcast as well, that sometimes when you do a podcast, and by the time you get around to putting it out, the stuff is already antiquated. It's already out of out of style, as it were, because things have already happened and everything you've talked about doesn't make any sense anymore, you know. So, extremely the case with the playoffs. And as I'm sitting here, um, the Bucks actually beat the Raptors in the first round, which was incredible. Uh, Giannis was clearly the best player in that series. And I don't know, it's really interesting to see what's going to happen with that series going forward. Um but you'll hear us talk about the Bucks and Raptors. You'll hear us talk about uh, the Pacers and the and the Cavs, and the Cavs pulled that one out of their butts. Um, but it was a really good time. Uh, thanks, Tim, for coming on. And, uh, yeah, so anyways, ways to get in touch with the show. Let me do this whole thing quick. You can follow along with the podcast at Superflight pod on twitter you can follow me personally at joe borelli on twitter you can email the show at the superflight podcast at gmail.com you can follow on facebook you can follow on uh, superflightpodcast.com you can follow on stitcher and google play and whatever man there's so many of them out there there's a million ways to listen to podcasts if you listen to and the one that we always pander to the most or i do anyways is because this is how i digest my podcast is on itunes so if you listen on itunes please rate and review any ratings and reviews that you give are awesome and i really appreciate it and they help get the show noticed by other people so if you like the show and you want other people to listen to it not only should you spread the word and like call up everybody you know just like start dialing ram random phone numbers and telling them about the podcast i think everyone should do this this is the method going forward you know what i take that back please do not start calling people randomly and telling them about a stupid podcast that you listen to although it would be hilarious i'm not condoning this do not do this um and don't tweet at me if you did if you've done it. Don't don't tell me any crazy stories. I don't want to be a party to you calling random people and annoying them because of of a podcast. So let's just change the subject. Let's see. I feel like I should give you guys a story about my my life as a former <laughs> in my own mind rock star. Just because I'm just trying to pay back some friends for a great story that I've heard recently. Although if I do this, I'm going to ruin a a, a a podcast that I have planned for this summer when there's no NBA and we talk only about um, 
our musical adventures, but I have one story that always comes back to me for whatever reason. When I was 17, so I think everybody can relate to this, right? You, well, not everybody. A lot of people are touched by music, and I'm one of those people. Music really speaks to me in certain ways, right? Like, and art, visual art speaks to me in a way, too, um, that it makes me feel connected to something, especially when you're 17 years old and you're just, your brain is just waking up. And I don't even know if that's true. My brain barely woke up and I am still half asleep most of the time. But you feel like you're, I mean, you're full of emotion. You're full of, uh, what's the expression? Piss and vinegar. You're full of just like angst and anxiety and, and longing and like all kinds of things. And when you're 17 and you're in a band and you think, you know, you're cool and stuff. You tend to do some weird things. And I was in a band when I was 17 and my band ended up playing this house party. This was like a really, first of all, I should tell you that, uh, I was a very sheltered child. I grew up in a very religious home and anything outside of, uh, my very Christian background, you know, was scary to me. So I was instantly attracted to, let's say like metal. I was in, I was into metal. I was a real metal head. Metallica was my favorite band growing up and, um, you know, Slayer, Megadeth, uh, creator, uh, all that stuff, the heavy stuff, not, not like the, the lame stuff like Molly crew. Ugh. I was into the super heavy stuff. Anyway, we thought we were super heavy. We, we thought we were cool kids. We weren't. I was just a sheltered dork. But anyway, we got to um, we got to play a house party one time. I mean, we, there's many shows that I can talk about, but this one in particular is just this is a show. This is a story rather about young naivete and coming of age and doing really foolish things that uh, you would recommend that no one ever do because they're dumb. Um. Not having drank all that much at the age of 17, I go to this house party and we're playing, we're, we're jamming out and like, we're like the stars because everybody's, you know, we're young. I'm younger than most people there and, and we're all hanging out and everybody's drinking. They're giving us booze and feeding us, you know, whatever. I'm not going to say drugs because you know, whatever. Um, and we're hanging out and I got wasted. So, so, so wasted. I drank way too much that in fact I ended up I used to wear these boots right like these um like what would you call them like engineer boots I guess they're called like these Harley guy boots the you know the long black ones that come up and you pull them up they're like they have the little loops in the top and you can pull them up and they you know you put your pants over them you look cool or so I thought um I was at this party. I got so drunk and I like passed out on the floor and everybody's just like playing my guitar and stuff. Cause I was, I was inexperienced. I had no idea that like drinking beer after beer would really mess me up. And it did. And I got, I got a mess. Um, sorry, mom, if you're listening to this anyway, at one point in the evening, I had to throw up. It's just what happens when you're a 17 year old who's at a party and don't know what you're doing and you drink too much and you haven't eaten enough. And, I had to puke and somebody was in the bathroom. So what did I do? I grabbed the first thing that was closest to me, which happened to be my boot. And I just let it all go in my boot, which, you know, it's gross. You can clean out your boots, I guess. It's it's pretty nasty, but I would have, that would have been fine. Like, whatever, I could throw away a boot. Well, silly me, 
um, the cops showed up after I was like, listen, I'm, this is really embarrassing because I was like passed. It was probably only like one o'clock in the morning and I passed out on the floor throwing up in my boot. Well, at some point in the evening, the cops show up and everybody scrams and my friends wake me up and they're like, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here now. I'm like, oh, crap. I don't know what's going on. What's they're like, just come on. Let's go. Get your clothes. Get, get your stuff. Not my clothes. My, just my shoes. But like, get your stuff. Let's get out of here. So I grab my boots and I put my foot in my boot. And boy, was that a squishy mess. It was the most disgusting thing. The, the sad thing is I didn't even realize it until the next morning. I'm like, wait, everybody's like, what is that? What is that? Who puked? I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? And yeah, I pull my foot out of my my boot and it's it's just a gross mess. Here's the moral of the story, kids. Don't drink. I guess I guess it's the moral of the story. I don't know. Anyway, I felt like a, it's a lame story. It's more about me being an immature jerk and an immature or young adolescent um, naive kid thinking that I knew what I was doing when I didn't. I got a foot full of vomit. And uh, let that be a lesson to all of you. Although it's, it's a fun story looking back on it. It wasn't great the evening of. Um, kind of wish I hadn't done it. But anyway, listen, Tim Tompkins is coming up. By the way, that's for you guys down in, in the uh, down under. You know who you are, Byron and Michael. Anyway, uh, coming up, Tim Tompkins, and we're going to talk about some playoffs. So after these messages, we'll be right back. So we interrupt this great podcast that you're listening to. My name is Kevin Rayfuse. I'm Tim Tompkins. And I'm Justin Kuzart. And we host the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. We cover every team in the league and a bunch of really fun segments like random NBA player, drive and Dougal, and hot takes from Reddit. So when you're done listening to this podcast, give us a search on iTunes or whatever podcast streaming app you're listening on. We're also at driveanddishpodcast.com. We are the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. Today's Super Flight podcast is sponsored by Draft Daily Fantasy app. If you play daily fantasy, you should be playing on draft because your chances of winning are nearly three times better than they are on FanDuel or DraftKings. Seriously, the data backs it up. Almost 90% of players lose on DraftKings, and on FanDuel, over 40% of the money goes to just 1% of the players. If you're not a pro and you're not spending hours a day on fantasy lineups, draft will give you the best odds at winning. On Draft Daily Fantasy app, you do a simple snake draft just like at the beginning of your season-long fantasy league. You can do as many drafts as you want and as often as you want, whenever you want. They last for just a day, and they take only minutes to complete. So download Draft now. Just search Draft in the App Store and be sure to enter the promo code ALMIGHTY100 when you download and get a 100% bonus up to $600 when you deposit. Again, search Draft in the App Store and be sure to enter the promo code ALMIGHTY100. All right, now back to the show. My name is Tim Tompkins of the Drive and Dish podcast. I also do the Sun Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns podcast. Uh, Eric Bledsoe is coming on the show tomorrow, actually. I'm really excited. I haven't been able to tell anybody, but, you know, it's going to drop tomorrow. So that's a big deal for us. That's awesome. Are you, did you meet him in person or are you? Uh, no, no. Espo got the interview. Yeah. Okay. But regardless, he's on the show. So you, know, you got to talk to him, though, right? No, no, no. I didn't. I didn't get to it. It was pre-recorded on Wednesday. Ah. Uh, but we're dropping it in the episode. No one will know. You know, um, so that's that's cool. Yeah, man, that should be that should be exciting. 
<laughs> way to, way to play me. it down. God. <laughs> well, you know what it is, Joe, is it's, um, it's really hard starting a new podcast. I'm finding this out. Yes. It's, I'm a year into this thing and like, I've already lost a partner, uh-huh. lost three fingers and a toe. It's, it's, right. Yeah. Now I read a really interesting article about podcasting. I've read a bunch of them cause I like, I like, I like to read about podcasting and it was specifically saying don't, um, podcast to make money. Yeah. And, and while that's not like an astute observation, I feel like any of those podcasting know that I think a lot of people get into podcasting for money. So they put up like three or four episodes, then they realize they aren't making any money. It's a ton of work. And then they just stop. And that's why there's 12,000 NBA podcasts that are around for a minute at a time. Yeah, it's there's a lot, man. But it's not just NBA podcasts either. It's like everybody's in everything, which is great. There's a ton of information out there. Um, I, I had one that I really liked listening to, which was Wikifelia. Did you ever listen to it? No, I feel like somebody told me about it, though. It was really good, but the guys are so sporadic with putting them out. Like, they go on Wikipedia, and they just look up articles about whatever, some random thing, and they'll they'll talk about it. One of the funniest ones ever was uh, they talked about lesser-known superheroes. Did you know there was a superhero named, uh, what was it, um, Matter Eater Boy or something like that? <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. Yeah. Really crazy, obscure stuff. Um, but yeah, you have to stick with it is the problem. If you don't, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't do it on the regular, nobody cares. They're just going to find something else. And with the NBA, like you're saying, there's so many podcasts. It's a saturated market. It, there, it didn't used to be. Yeah, I know. You know, when, when we started out, I think there were like 12 or 13 really ones that anyone listened to. You know, so you could really like try and make a name for yourself. And now... Now everybody and every writer has a podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just put up a couple of them. Um, but you've been podcasting for a year, Joe. Yeah. What's been your takeaway from the entire process? I freaking hate everybody. <laughs> That's not it. My takeaway is I should have gone back and not done this. No, uh, it, you know, the thing is like for me, so I'm an artist and I need to do just something creative when I'm not making music and I'm clearly not making visual art lately because I don't have time. I, uh, this kind of fills that void for me. So to the detriment of everyone that's listening, <laughs> I do this anyway, listen or not. I mean, you don't have to listen, you know, obviously, but it fills a creative role for me. It's often a lot of, a lot of work that I don't have time for, but I do it anyways. Cause if I don't do this, I'll probably just pull all my hair out. Mm -hmm. Your, your podcast is incredibly well produced. Really? And it's yeah, incredibly well produced. And it's really inspiring to an extent. In fact, my, my whole mic setup and everything was really inspired by you and going on yours. Um, it's not. I See, that's that's a complete fallacy. But thank you for saying that. <laughs> my, my podcast is not produced at all. I basically sit in front of a mic and go, what's on my mind? And then just uh, I have these, you know, I have the music that I play in the beginning and the end. And that's that's pretty much it. I barely do any editing. But uh, thank you for thinking that it's well produced. I really appreciate it. So talking about the playoffs. Yeah, talking about the playoffs. Um, we're going to talk about the NBA, play, NBA playoffs. But at the same time, I feel like we could probably talk about a million other NBA related topics because everybody's getting into the playoffs right now. So let's do the playoffs quick and then we'll talk about other stuff. Well, I mean, this is this is what I, I prepped for. So I, <laughs> I talk about it. Uh, I, w I went on a radio show uh, earlier today 
And, you know, he asked me about, about all eight matchups. And I thought, you know what, this one matchup, I'm not going to prep all that well. And I'll be fine. I can just rattle off stuff off mm-hmm. the top of I, I felt so wholly unprepared for it uh, when that came up. So which one was it? We are not going to talk about the Wizards and Hawks. <laughs> All right. Fair. We weren't planning on it anyways, but sure. I know that you really wanted to start it off with what has definitely been something we've all talked about too much this season. Which is OKC in Houston. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the the MVP race, which, by the way, how trolling is it of the league to not tell us the winners of the MVP until oh. you sixth i know this is this this is kind of yeah it kind of sucks um like every other year we'd know right right when the playoffs start we would know Mm -hmm. who the mvp was and this year in particular it would be amazing to know like it would be amazing for us and for the players because whichever one of james harden and russell westbrook which we think are going to be the one and two run you know players for mvp in the league um one of the other you know the other one that doesn't win it is going to have a huge chip on their shoulder right Mm-hmm. So it would make that series so much more exciting. I mean, not not more exciting, but it would you know it would add to the narrative for us, and it would be it would be so much fun to behold as the viewer. Um, but in general, I think I think that everyone can probably agree that these are the top two candidates for MVP, right? Well, Zach Lowe doesn't. Oh no, he picked Kawhi, right? Yeah, he picked he picked Kawhi. Yeah, well, what the hell is Zach Lowe now? The, the argument for Kawhi was, wasn't wrong. I I felt like. And I know you don't want to talk about MVP all that much, but I feel like there's there's sort of the two camps, right? There was the the Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. uh, averaging a triple double, blah blah blah. James Harden was more efficient. His team's a little bit better. Uh, and if you didn't want to get sucked in by the fact that you really like round numbers, or you didn't want to go against the guy that's getting round numbers, you could just pick somebody else. So I feel like maybe a lot of people w- went with Kawhi. But do you think somebody's going to take the time to? tally all of these votes that are being put out because a lot of these writers are putting out their votes all over the internet is somebody somebody uh, not in the nba gonna take the time to tally them and then just release that absolutely i think somebody out there is gonna be like oh this guy said this and this guy so and, and that makes me think like that that you had the idea that somebody will probably do this that's gonna be the reason a lot of guys won't release their vote until they'll be like no i'm not i'm not saying anything because you know what my vote counts for and i'm not gonna so we'll still be up in the air until june 30th or june whatever it is 30th 26th yeah all right i i think that some people just aren't gonna let on you know but yeah i totally think that someone would go through and be like oh this guy said he's voting for this person so it's you know somebody would absolutely tally it up dude are you kidding me like there's like i'm just a casual fan not casual i'm just a fan of the nba and i have a podcast about it <laughs> somebody out there is gonna take the time to tally everything up no you would doubt think whatever site breaks that is going to get a lot of clicks and people care about clicks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you were surprised, but I was looking on what Vegas thought was going to happen when I was doing some prep on this. Mm-hmm. Vegas has the thunder winning this 60 to 40% odds. Really? That is surprising, right? That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little surprised. Well, you know what that is? That's just Vegas covering their butt. Cause probably everybody's taken, taken, uh, the Houston, right? So they're just I'm, like trying to get even money or something. I'm not sure how ba- gambling works. I don't do it. I, I have no idea how they, <laughs> they tally things. I know that their under overs for uh, the season on wins losses were actually pretty close. Really? Much well, closer. Than- yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's let's break down this series. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> All right. All right. So I'm going to give you I'm going to give you some stats because I know you love the stats. So sure. here are the stats for Houston at OKC. 
All right, so Houston, second in the league in points per game, second in offensive rating, third. This this stat is completely hilarious to me and amazing. Third, uh, three. Sorry, first in three points scored per game, and thirtieth in two points attempted, which is amazing. It's not surprising. Um, I mean, I would just caution to say that that Houston is like fifteenth or sixteenth in the league at three point percentage. Right. So while they're getting the vast majority of their points from that. You know, it's not a terribly efficient. Also, so you've seen the shot charts, right, of, of Houston where it's literally layups and three-pointers and that's it. Yeah, but that's how the whole league is going. That's where the entire league is shooting. And that's and so this is this brings up a really good point between the two teams. So you have like the new style school of basketball which is three points and layups and you have the old school sort of thing, which is just driving to the rim and, and having no shooters on the team, which is which is the thunder, right? So they're very contrasting styles. And I think in a weird way, it could make for a really interesting matchup. But, you know, for me, I, I feel like Houston has the advantage because of their shooting. It's not that I disagree, and I, I, I definitely don't, because I think Houston take the series, takes the series. But Houston allows uh, the most points in the paint by any team in the NBA around 49 points um, in the paint, whereas OKC scores 47 points in the paint, the most in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're OKC, uh, that you're going to take Taj Gibson and his canter, uh, Steven Adams, and you're, you're just going to uh, feed the post really throughout the series. But I think if you're the thunder that what you're trying to avoid is trading two points for three points, right? Every single time down the, down the court. So I think that that, will factor in yeah i totally agree with that and i think that's the reason that the game is going to be or the series will probably be closer than a lot of people imagine i know at first people were like oh houston's gonna walk away with this they have so much shooting and james harden is so good and and i still kind of agree that like russell russell god i can never say his name (laughs) this name to say in the nba i swear seriously russell westbrook is basically the whole team, right? He does everything. He scores. He's just driving to the rim, and and he and he hits these crazy three point shots from twelve feet beyond the arc. Um, but I just think like they they they're gonna batter him down low. They're gonna batter Houston down low. So that's in their advantage. Um, and I think they have a better defensive team. Obviously, the numbers bear that out too. They're 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 defensive. They're tenth in the NBA. The the Thunder are sorry. It's just going to be fun to watch Harden and Westbrook go at it head to head. And as I was mentioning to you, like, it's not often that we get to see everybody has these rankings, right? We have this whole, for whatever reason, I think in life, not just in sports, we have to, we, we want to rank everything like, oh, this sandwich was the best sandwich I've ever eaten. It's much better than the tuna sandwich I had yesterday, right? We have to rank everything in, in number of important, like we put a number on it, like this is way more important than that thing. And this one, like we do it with the MVP, most improved player. We do, it, oh, this team is the best. I don't know why we have this need to do this. But we do it, and it's going to be fun to see the top two guys for the MVP race go head-to-head. We don't often get to see our number one and our number two rankings bear out right in front of our eyes, right? What about the Patrick Beverly-Russell Westbrook matchup where, obviously, Patrick Beverly is the reason why Russell Westbrook injured his knee Mm -hmm. a few years ago. And how close are the refs going to be watching that and, and uh, holding the whistle in their mouth, just waiting to call it on Patrick Beverly? 
You know, that's a good point that I hadn't even considered. That's a really good thought. I think they will be holding the whistle in their mouth, like ready to pounce. I really do. Because, of, of course, obviously, like, you have to protect Russell Westbrook at this point, right? Ah, he's worth millions. Yeah, I mean, he's what he's doing for the NBA right now is is uh, astonishing. Yeah, it's like just his story alone this year, like the the whole triple double thing. Like whatever, it's you know, it's round numbers, and and he's not that efficient. And I I agree that like I was listening to, to um, another podcast earlier this morning, and they were talking about how like his as great of a season as what Russell Westbrook is having, it's still not even as good as Curry's was last year. That that season. Oh. No, 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 no. Let's Joe, let's put an end to this. What? You don't agree? Russell Westbrook has the highest VORP value over a replacement player of any player in NBA history. Better than any of the LeBron James seasons, better than any of the Michael Jordan seasons. Um, Russell Westbrook has the highest VORP of in NBA history. So he's doing more. He's also it's not just it's not like uh, you know, a 10, 10, 10 triple double. He's, he's a 30, 10 and 11. He's leading the league in scoring. And, and as Bill Simmons pointed out, Russell Westbrook gives more shits than anybody gives shits about the NBA this season. <laughs> you know, out of all the players, he cares so much and there is inherent value in that. Oh yeah. Agreed. I would agree with that. I haven't listened to that podcast yet, but, uh, I would agree with that. Um, so who are you, uh, who are you taking in the series? Uh, I think Houston. I think just just by a small margin. I don't know, but it's it's iffy. I could see if one team was going to upset. And, I can't. I, I'm going to take Houston. Screw it. Who you got, dude? Rockets and six, man. I yeah. just I don't buy Vegas on this one. <laughs> you should put some money on it. I don't know anything about gambling, but put some money on it. Ooh, no, no, that's a dangerous road to go down. Yeah, you win one bet, you start putting down more money on on more. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, yeah. No. Do you want to do you want to move on, or do you have anything else to say about this series? Yeah, no, we're we're good on that one. You want to do Celtics Bulls? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, why not? Go ahead. I didn't prep for Celtics Bulls at all. <laughs> Hit me with your best shot. What do you got? All right. First question: Are the Celtics the most underhyped number one seed in all of NBA history? Let me just say, I could see a world in which the Bulls win this series. I don't think Boston is that good. Right. They're the number one seed. How often do we have number one seed in either the East or the West? And no one really even looks at them as contenders. Right. Okay. I don't, I think they're, I think they're overvalued as a team. And I, I think they're definitely overvalued as a number one seed. Um, I think, yeah, I think Jimmy Butler is the best player in that series. Right. Would you agree with that? I mean, I love Isaiah Thomas and I think he can do some really great things on the offensive end and he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and the Bulls are a train wreck. Like, I don't really want to root for them because their, their season has been just god-awful. Like, what have they done? They made that horrible trade for Cameron Payne. Um, I, I just, I think, I think the Bulls have no idea what they're doing as a franchise. That they made it into the playoffs boggles my mind. Um, and I, I really don't think they should be there. But at the same time, that's how little I think of the Boston Celtics, right? That I think they can be beaten by the Bulls. What are your thoughts about it? Well, if you're going to play the Celtics in a in a seven game series, I feel like what you're going to do is you're going to trap Isaiah Thomas and mm. you're going to take the ball out of his hand, and you're just going to make him play off ball the entire time, and then make him play defense on the other end. Right. So I, I don't. That's that's why I don't believe in the Boston Celtics, and I hope that they prove me wrong. But I'm going with Bulls in seven on this one because, hear me out. Go ahead. Three of the first four games are on TNT. 
<laughs> and somehow I knew that was going to come into play. I, I'm serious. That's a thing. The, TNT the, bulls are no joke, man. They cannot be beaten. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, no joking aside, but I'm actually pretty serious about that. Is the Bulls do have a better record against uh, positive uh, over 500 teams? The Celtics have a losing record versus those teams. Um, you know, Rondo's come alive: 12 points, eight assists, six rebounds in the last 12 games. Stats, stats, stats. But going back to your point, Joe, is that trade they made for Cameron Payne? So they got Sabonis, and they tried Sabonis out at the four, didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they took Miritich, who wasn't getting any minutes, and they, they, they brought him off the bench uh, and, and started having him start. Then Dwayne Wade got injured. Now we're going to get um, uh, playoff Dwayne Wade. And that's what I, that, my, that was going to be my next point. Playoff Dwayne Wade is a real thing, man. Right. Like, he, he saves everything for the end of the season. He saved everything for the playoffs. Do you remember last year when we all thought he— Like, I think collective, collectively, everyone in the United States thought Dwayne Wade was washed up, right? The playoffs came around, and he was a whole new man. He he was doing, like, peak Dwayne Wade things, making moves in the post and just, like, faking guys with the ball and getting to the rim. And I think he even dunked it, like, <laughs> maybe once. But it, it was incredible. He just kind of turned it on and became Dwayne Wade again. I think that guy is still there. I mean, Paul Pierce was still there in the postseason for, for a couple of seasons. But I, I think he—and I thought his, his injury was sort of a mystery, right? Because he he was done for the season, then he went and then got the LeBron James treatment in Miami. Yep. The Bulls are all of a sudden going to make the playoffs, and all of a sudden he's back. He's just fine. He's just like, no, no, no. I got I got it healed. I got rehabbed. I got it back in time. I'm not sure he was actually all that hurt. No, and I mean, you know, honestly, if if in if you're the Bulls, why would you not like just give him a little extra time? Like, you know, we saw all these teams doing this, just tanking, right? Like, oh, my, our guys are injured. We're going to sit him the rest of the year. But if you're the Bulls and you think you can get in without him, why not give him some rest and make sure he's healthy to go for the playoffs? Yeah, or if you think you aren't going to get in at all and you're going to have to pay the guy $24 million next year, why? That's also a good point. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant had made that comment about uh, tanking where he said people only care about the, the star players when they're resting to a certain extent. And I think he, he was right. Right. Because uh, yeah. you look at the Suns, for example, is they said to Tyson Chandler and Eric Bledsoe, you're done for the season. Man, the league didn't say a damn thing. <laughs> nobody noticed. No, no, nobody noticed. Just uh, so I, I, was there validity to Kevin Durant's statements then? Right. No, I think he's right. How do you feel about the Raptors and Bucks? Who do you think takes it series? Or should we talk? Should we should we break it down a little bit before we talk about who's going to win? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so my thinking is um, I just want to see Giannis in the postseason. I think it's going to be fun. I think that kid, obviously, he put up. So he's the only player in NBA history ever to average, uh, what was it, to finish in the top 20 in all major stats, which stats, which is points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. So he was 14th in points, 15th in rebounds, 18th in assists, 9th in steals, and 5th in blocks, which that's freaking incredible, man. How old is he, 23? Yeah, that kid. That kid's a baby. Oh yeah, he's gonna be so good. Um, and I think for just generally NBA fans, it's gonna be fun to watch him in the playoffs because you know everything turns up a notch in the playoffs. Like this is nothing new. When it gets to the playoffs time, you know the intensity goes up, the game slows down, and the true stars really shine. And I think he could be put in that category. I want to see what he's gonna do in a playoff series. What do you think? 
it's not that I doubt Giannis on this. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> go ahead. Um, I, I do think that the, the Raptors have the Bucks number, uh, you know, winning 13 of the last 15 games. They won the season series. The only game that they didn't win of the season series was a game that Chris Middleton didn't play. But hmm. they have a secret weapon in Jason Kidd. Uh, do you remember the last time that Jason Kidd coached against the Raptors in the playoffs? No. It was for the Nets. The Nets won the series on a game seven um, into, into regulation uh, block by Paul Pierce on, uh, I, th- I think it was Kyle Lowry, if I remember correctly. But Jason Kidd might have some mojo against the Raptors. Why do I not remember that, by the way? It was only like three years ago. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of basketball that happens. Yeah, there's a lot of basketball. Oh, boy. Um, I thought you were going to say that Jason Kidd was going to like spill a drink on the court or something like that would be the secret. <laughs> He's going to pull out all the stops. How did I, how did I forget about that too? <laughs> there you um, go. You know, we, we had a, a Bucks writer on the driving dish recently and he was, uh, he was telling me about the type of player that Giannis has a hard time with the type of defender that Giannis has a hard time with. And they, they tend to be kind of the, the, uh, stouter, uh, bigger guys, um, that can move a little bit, uh, athletic wings, the, those types of uh, guys. Okay. Um, and the Raptors getting PJ Tucker, having Damari Carroll, being able to put, uh, Serge Ibaka on him. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that they'll be able to shut him down a little bit too. Um, well, Chris so- Middleton hasn't exactly been hot down the stretch. I mean, he's been, he's played really well for them, but yeah, but down the stretch, I guess not. I think he's the only reason they're in the playoffs, right? I mean, besides Giannis, like they had to have somebody else. He's not that big of an offensive threat. I think he's only, he's averaging like 14 points a game and like three assists, like five rebounds of that. So he's not a huge stat compiler, but I think he gives them a lot, uh, sort of on the defensive end and things. Uh, he's played better down the stretch than I thought he had over, over the last six games. And he's playing a lot of minutes. He's playing like 35 minutes a game. Mm. Uh, he's a he's a positive on the on the court. Uh, the 3.8. He's shooting 42% from the field, uh, 43% from behind the three point arc. Though, um, uh, like I, I think it'll be a relatively close series. I, I just I don't know, man. I like I'm all in on the Raptors. I feel like every year yeah. that we get, and not, maybe you don't do this. I, I'm not sure, Joe, but I, I know that for myself, every year I get irrationally into one team. That really doesn't have a chance. Yeah. I Yeah, I, I would say yes. I, I kind of do the same thing. By the way, don't get me wrong. I think Raptors take this in five. <laughs> and I think they probably do have the best. Of all the teams in the Eastern Conference, they probably have the best chance of upsetting the Cavs. I, for the record, don't think anyone's upsetting the Cavs. But they probably have the best chance. Well, they probably had the number one seed if it weren't for Kyle Lowry getting hurt. Yeah, exactly. I love Lowry, man. By the way, we should talk about that for a second. Lowry is the best player on that team. I don't care what you say. DeMar DeRozan is good on the offensive end. Um, he's done really incredible things this year. He's averaged 27 points and like nothing else. And he's mimicked Kobe and nothing else. Um, and he's a fine player and nothing else. But Lowry is the man. While that's true, and I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you at all, Shouldn't we give credit to DeMar DeRozan for carrying that team? Uh, yes, with we should. Kyle Lowry? We should. We should. We should definitely get he, – he kept, he kept that team afloat. But as you just mentioned, then they get P.J. Tucker and they got Ibaka. And, uh, I mean, they have a good team around him. It's not – he didn't do it on his own. And he struggled a little bit for a minute there when, when Lowry went out. He, he did, but we should give him credit. And also, you're integrating new parts. It doesn't make your team automatically better just because you add them. 
Um, but I, I do think that the the Raptors put themselves in a position to compete with the Cavs on a multiple levels by the additions that they made throughout the season. Um, that 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 we should uh, maybe to a certain extent uh, applaud them for maybe. Whereas a lot of these other teams said, you know what, we're in the same conference as LeBron James, so we're just going to sit like stand pat. And at what point in the NBA did we just start saying we don't need to try because there's somebody else that's better that's out there? Yeah, that's kind of lame. Is lame the word? It's kind of lame. I don't know. It's what they do. I mean, think about it. From a podcaster standpoint, would you just lay down because you knew there were better podcasts than you? Ah, uh, no, no, no. Right, exactly. But, you know, it makes you, it makes you want to um, keep moving on. <laughs> But listen, you know what also, like, one thing we're forgetting is that the Raptors also have Bruno Caboclo. So I think they've got this series. <laughs> is he even playing for it? Is he even on the bench? I don't even know. These are, these are deep cuts. I think he's still a year or two away from being a year or two away or something like that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Sorry. Um, uh, he's played in nine games this season. There you go. He's played 4.4 minutes. Uh, 1.6 points per game. Yes, 1.6 points per game. He has been inactive. No, he played the last game of the season. See? Secret <laughs> weapon, man. Secret weapon. <laughs> the Raps are going to pull him out right when they get to the Cavs, and that's going to be the end of the... It's over. LeBron, look out. <laughs> All right, should we move on? <laughs> the Cavs. Yes. A lot of a lot of noise has been made about their defense. Uh, I just made it down to Orlando to watch Paul George against the Magic. It wasn't a particularly close game. Uh, that being said, Paul George has been playing like an absolute all-star this year. We get a matchup of Paul George and LeBron James um, and Lance Stevenson and LeBron James. Oh, yeah. Maybe we get some uh, blowing in the ear. That would be great. Uh, the, the Lance Stevenson effect... Uh, that seems to be real. It's a tangible thing, man. It's you see how upset he makes people. He was back for what two games, and he had the Raptors so pissed off. At the end of the game, they were ready to fight. They were just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a he was a positive ten on the court in that game. Uh, since he's come back and played for the Pacers, Lance Stevenson has only been uh, negative in one of those games while on the court. He was a negative six, and that was in his first game. Every single other game, that dude has been an absolute positive. Um, you know, in a couple of them, like he was a positive 10, a positive 14, a positive 12 on the court. Um, like Toronto, Milwaukee, and uh, Orlando. So, I mean, the Lance Stevenson effect is real. Apart from Paul George, apart from LeBron James, is the Cavs' defense really such a worry, or can they just turn it on? For my money, um, I don't think they can just turn it on. I think they will get it together. Um, I really don't think there are many challengers out there except for the Raptors. Uh, and I think their offense is so good that you know, their defense isn't going to matter all that much. They'll, they'll come around. We know that, and I've, I've said this a couple weeks ago, we know that LeBron, the defender, is still there. That That's a guy who probably should have won defensive player of the year at some point in his career and never did for whatever reason. He's been saving his energy, right? He's 32 now. He's put in, again, like over the course of the last, what, so he's been to the finals the last six years in a row. This is about to be seven. He 
on average over those last six years, I think he has played a full season's worth more games than the next player down, right? He has to save energy somewhere. He has to conserve it. So you're getting LeBron saving his energy on the defensive end and just putting it in on the offense. And he knows that his team is good. They won the championship last year. They beat one of the greatest teams on paper of all time, the Golden State Warriors, after being down 3-1. I think they're going to be fine. I am not fooled. They're playing possum. They're going to get it together. And uh, was it, did I answer your question? Yes. All right. Are you tired of seeing LeBron James in the finals every year? Oh, my effing God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I love LeBron. I love LeBron. I think he's up there with Jordan for me, right? Uh Uh-huh. But, yeah, can we please let somebody else play? (laughs) Just just give somebody else a shot. For God's sake, man. Stop hogging the ball, you jerk. So what what do you think would be the implication for the NBA if it was a Toronto Raptors-Utah Jazz finals? (laughs) Oh. Hold on. I got to stop laughing for a second. Uh, (laughs) You know, all right. So I'm not a league conspiracy theorist much, Uh but I really don't think they would ever let that happen. (laughs) Right. We're talking grassy knoll type shit right here. (laughs) I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a real possibility though, right? No, no, it's not. That's not a, come on. They just wouldn't let it happen. They would, nobody would let it happen. No. Somebody's going to pull a Tanya Harding on somebody. The kneecaps will roll. Right, right. Somebody will get um, uh, a hip check from Robert Ory yes. or something. Yeah, into the stands. Yes, and they just they just won't let it happen. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm going Cleveland on this, but <sighs> come on, give me your thoughts. I you you haven't said much. Let's. I'm going to hear it. Tim Tompkins, give me your thoughts. What do you What do you think? Are, do you think the Cavs' defensive woes are a huge concern? I, I think a lot of this matters. Um, like, no, I just the Cavs have a I, I think they'll get past this round most likely. But there's just something about this Cavs team that makes me not believe in them. I mean, they've basically been a 500 team since uh, the all star break. Mm-hmm. And that um, I, I believe we saw it a few years ago. And it was at the, at the end of the, the heat um, kind of streak where they kept making it to the finals every year. And then all of a sudden they basically got swept by the Spurs that last that last finals. I mean, it wasn't even close. Right. Uh, and everyone had just said all season, well, the Cavs can just turn it on. And I, I think that there's a certain point in which you can't really just turn it on anymore. And somebody, somebody brought this up uh, a couple of weeks ago and they said, are there any Cavs players that are actually in their prime? I mean, come on, Kevin Love, Kyrie, LeBron is, still I, is in his prime. Uh, I mean, or, or did the Miami heat get his prime? Come on. Really? You don't think uh, last year was, was, prime LeBron you think he's over the hill I don't think over the hill I, I think that I wouldn't use that phrasing but I, I I don't think that you know we're getting like 28 29 year old LeBron I think that Kyrie Irving still a bit younger uh one of the best scoring point guards in the league I'd take him one-on-one against anybody if I were playing game pickup ball I want that guy on my team because no one passes and pick up ball anyway right uh, I don't. I don't think that Kevin Love's a great fit on that team. Uh, Kevin Love, you could probably argue, is in his prime. But apart from Kevin Love, I don't think you really can. Um, if they do make it out of the East, you know they're going to be going up uh, uh, against a team most likely with four players, um, all in their prime. And right. I just, I don't. I don't know that they're going to be able to match the firepower 
of of those teams. But you know, they're going to have to let's see to get to get out of the East, and this is I think the hardest route um, that the Cavs would have had to have taken so far. So so they'd have to beat the Pacers, um, then they'd have to beat the winner of Toronto, Milwaukee, most likely so Toronto. Toronto. Right, so right? they'll meet Toronto in the second round, right? And that's going to be their biggest test, probably. Yeah, and then they're going to either have to meet Boston or Washington uh, in the second round. Washington, um, Washington. I'm sorry, third round. Yeah, right. Washington's a real threat. I think uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal are, are the real deal. I, I've really come around on John Wall as well, too, by the way. I, I was a, a huge detractor. thought his game was completely one-dimensional. All he had was speed. I felt a little bit like him about the same way I do about Russell Westbrook. No offense, Russell. Why? I don't know. I just thought it was all his entire game for the longest time was predicated on athleticism and not much else. But John Wall is a really good passer. John Wall is adding a shot to his game, and he's a really good defender. I think he's he's become an all-around player. I'm, I'm totally on board with John Wall at this point. But anyway, we were talking about the Cavs. Right, so the the Cavs will have to, and I, I do. Th- I I think John Wall should have got some MVP consideration right. um, this season for the for the way he's performed. But I was thinking when you were saying that, I'm like, I feel like it was last season and the season before where he created the most uh, three point uh, opportunities for for teammates than any other player. So you know, there's some there's some value in that. For sure. Uh, I, I mean, obviously Cleveland's going to take it out on this. I I just think we're really lucky that in a couple of these series that we, we get for in this one in particular. So we, we get LeBron James and we get Paul George over in the West. We get Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden. Um, and there's a whole bunch of storylines, uh, you know, in the Clippers jazz too, whether or not you have Deandre Jordan and Blake Griffin, the resign, whether or not Gordon Hayward resigns with the jazz or, uh, well, let me you ask know. you about the Utah jazz and Clippers series. Quick. Uh, what do you think about that one? Oh I know this God. wasn't on our list, but just off the top of your head and spit on here. This is a really, really hard series for me. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. The Jazz aren't particularly good at defending the, the pick and roll. They allow like what 0.88 points on uh, pick and roll possession from opposing teams. Uh, looking at the Clippers, they get like 47 percent of their offense from the from the pick and roll. Um, so I think that we're going to see that they both play really slow. They both uh, like their half court offense. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit of a drudge of a series, but a really exciting one. I can't figure out who I'm picking, so I'm going Clippers and seven with a home and home series the entire way through. <laughs> that's that's fair. <laughs> that is fair. That's good. I like the way you think. Uh, I would go Clippers and six just because I'm not that big of a believer yet. I mean, the Clippers have playoff experience. Here's the main thing for me. Clippers have playoff experience, right? The Jazz yeah. do not. Oh, well, I, I Gordon Hayward made it. Uh, to the playoffs once, didn't he? Or am I wrong about that? I feel like he made it to the playoffs once, and he averaged like six points or something. You're gonna make me do research right on the spot, aren't you? Not gonna do no, it. <laughs> it's it's fine. I but I mean, for, you know, for the most part. But they did add Joe Johnson. They yeah. They did add uh, Boris Diaw. Um, they do have George Hill. Yes. So they have some playoff experience. Maybe a couple of their core guys don't. But I mean, the the rest of the team does. Rodney Hood doesn't. Right. But we're talking about like as a team. I think as a team, as you know, as a complete part, they have no playoff experience. But yeah, some of their individual guys do, of course, for sure. Um, Don't teams change every year, though? Yes, but listen, (laughs) I'm trying to make a point, man. (laughs) You're killing me here. (laughs) Stop throwing a wrench in my uh, gears something. I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I just think like it. it I'm just going to say that the Clippers have been together much longer. They they know what it's like to be in the playoffs together as a team, and they know how to find each other in spots. And, and like Chris Paul, man, he's just he's still so good, right? He, he I you got to give him one series for that, right? No, maybe not. They're usually pretty good about getting one series. And that's it. Right. So I think they get the first series and that's it. I think I think they make it through the first round and then the, and then they break up the team completely. They would be playing Golden State in the second round. Yeah, they're not going to get out of that series. Let me let me ask you a question then. Yes, go ahead. Ask me a question, please do. Being a, a podcaster that that covers the playoffs, mm-hmm. the first the first round, there's so many games and there's so many series, and um, you know by the time you put out a podcast, it's uh, outdated and it's not even good to listen to because something already changed in the series and it, it got tied up or a team went up three one or whatever the case might be. How do you cover the NBA playoffs? The first round specifically. On, on a podcast, on your podcast. Because if, if it's been a year, that means you had to cover the NBA playoffs last year. I don't know, man. I, I, I find it easier to hone in. You have eight series, right? Wait, right? Eight series. Mm-hmm. It's a lot less teams to think about. I can actually take notes and figure out what's going on. The rest of the year, it's like daunting. Like when I have to try and pay attention to every single team in the league. I mean, well, you, I, can't. you can't. I also have a life to lead. I also have a wife who wants to talk to me on occasion, you know? I don't know why. I still haven't figured that part out. But yeah, it's, I don't know. How do you do it? How do you do it? And you do this way more professionally than I do, especially tonight. So thank you for that. I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. I'm very sleepy tonight. Um, I, it's, it's a challenge every, every year, especially the first round. And there's been times where we've had to scrap entire podcasts just because it was already outdated by the time we were going to go post it. And there's no point in posting um, outdated content. So it's, I, I, I do think that it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. I almost find that the summer is the easiest time because yeah. you can talk about basketball conceptually. That's true. Right? It, I love approaching it more conceptually because I'm horrible with stats. If you hadn't noticed, um, well, so right. So it's a little bit harder. So when you're looking at, um, you know, when we were looking at the the OKC Houston matchup, for example, and you have to look and, OK, well, who's bad at defending what and how good is the other team at that? And, you know, what kind of role will that play? If you're talking about San Antonio and Memphis, you're, you know, Memphis is really good at at at, at guarding the paint. Um, so if you're San Antonio, it's probably a good test of whether or not you can get Danny Green back in, uh, uh, back in a good a playoff rhythm and all, all that stuff. But during the summer, you can just talk about what might happen. Yeah, I love the what might happens. That's what I. It's that's my whole life. Like, oh, I'm, I might go to the store today. I might leave the apartment. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> We're so much better at that. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the easy stuff. Like, it's it's easy to project. It's easy to like place your own hopes on on players right like this is what we do we're like oh my god my my team might be great this year we're getting totally off the playoffs here but anyway yeah it's easy to project you don't need to know the game to project your own thoughts right to project what you want to happen that's the easy part um so and when you pare it down a little bit for the playoffs we can cut all this out because i'm rambling and just going nowhere with this but when you pare it down and there's like there's only eight teams there's only 16 teams it's way easier for me to like to to get into these 
teams and pay attention. The 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 off season is so much fun because it's all about hope and it's all about it's basically like a video game. Like if we draft this guy and we get his stats playing up and like we can we can win the next season. That's the fun. You know that's so much fun. It's like if, but when it gets to the the playoffs, I don't know. For me, I also just it's easy to hone in on that. There's less teams. There's less storylines. It all becomes like one consolidated season, and it's the the excitement level also goes way up, right? Everything is on the line. We know that when we get to April or March and April in the regular season, it's just like it's a. I mean, I find in this, I'm finding this out for the first time this year. It's a slog, man. I'm like, oh my god, what am I gonna talk about this week? I had a, there's nothing left. Like we've talked about everything, but the playoffs. Everything matters. It's a whole new series. It's a whole new ball game. Does this, does any of this resonate with you? You can talk about NBA Summer League. I mean, you can, I guess. <laughs> like, I've only found the month of August be difficult. Um, so I feel like did we wrap up the, the, the playoffs for the most part? I think so. Yeah. How did we didn't go through all of them? We just went through ones that interest us. Well, you, well, you wanted to talk about Warriors and uh, Blazers, didn't you? Oh, yeah, just for a hot second. Uh, Warriors and four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I, I'll say this. If they play Nurkic, they're fools. I don't know if he's going to be available, but if, if the Blazers play Nurk, they're fools. They're not going to win this series. So why, why would they be fools to play him? They're not going to win this series, and they're jeopardizing his health. He broke his leg two weeks mm-hmm. ago, right? Why, why? <laughs> this guy has shown real potential to be like a a piece for your team moving forward. Don't risk him that you have no hope of winning this series. Really? This is like one of the best offensive teams in NBA history. And you just made it to the eighth seed of the playoffs. You know, what's going to happen. Don't risk your future for the sake of, of excitement. It's not worth it. You've got to take a long view. What do you think about that? How do you feel? I can understand. I like. I don't. I don't have access to his medical records. You gotta. I, I have to assume, or, or presume, whichever way you want to look at it, that the the training staff of these teams are. They know what they're doing. They make a lot of money. They're so much uh, smarter than I am at this specific uh, thing, telling whether or not their their players should play or shouldn't play, and that kind of thing. If you think that Nurkic might be your center going forward, and he's oh. he's shown that he's a really capable center. He's He's pretty exciting for that team. He's added defense to a team that had none all year. He's added some like a, a nice inside punch, man. They had none of that. Like, I don't know why you would risk his health. Like before they got Nurkic, they were not going to get into the playoffs, and they are in the playoffs. So I don't know. I think he's 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 also added some excitement around the team, and I'm sure Portland loves him, but. You just, uh, I, I don't know. I just don't think it's worth it. I don't think worth, I don't think it's worth risking the health of, of a, well, just a person in general, but of your player long term. I don't, you know, just for the sake of four more games, because honestly, I think it's just going to be four more games. Just leave them <laughs> sit out. It's, <laughs> it's silly. So should the Warriors sit Kevin Durant? Well, no, Kevin Durant's back. He can play. Like, he, you know, he's already played a couple games, he's fine. Right. I mean, they right. could. They don't need him for the series. I think you bring up valid points. Were you surprised at how much better the Blazers were with Nurkic than they were with Plumlee? Honestly, yes and no. I I 
didn't think Nurk like I, I've been a big Nurkic fan. Last year I was I was really excited. I thought he was going to be the center of the future for the, for the uh, the Nuggets. And you know I've talked about this a little bit before when when Jokic came around and he just displaced him. I, you know I understood, but I still thought Nurkic was going to be really good. So when they got him, it, I mean there's there's a couple factors here. Nurkic obviously was disconnected. He was un uninterested in playing for the Nuggets anymore, right? So, of course, your game is going to take a hit. If you don't want to be there, if you feel disenfranchised, uh, you're you're not going to put your best effort out there. I always kind of thought that he would be a really good player. So, in that respect, yeah, I thought when they got him that, like, it's definitely going to be an upgrade. Uh, Miles is nice. He can pass the ball. But, again, I don't know what else he can do. I don't I don't think there's much else he really gives you. He's a good passer. and But if you're a center and all you do is pass, you know... Anybody they put in that in that lineup is going to be better, right? I didn't realize that that Mason Plumley was such a bad defender, uh, and, and maybe that's just because I hadn't watched enough Blazers. Um, maybe it, I, I didn't realize how good of a defender Nurkic was going to be because uh, the minute situation over at the Nuggets too. But I just I didn't I didn't realize that there was quite that disparity. I kind of when that trade happened, I thought, eh, it seems like a salary trade. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. I didn't honestly. I didn't think he was a defensive player at all. And to be honest, I think they were fifteenth in the league since they acquired him. Is that correct? Something like that. We're just going to go with that. Just say okay. yes. Nod your head. I can see you. Right, right middle. I can. I can look it up. <laughs> don't don't bother. Uh, <laughs> we're going to say they were fifteenth in the league in defense since they acquired Nurkic. It's something close to that, right? I didn't think he would have that kind of defensive impact, but I was saying for the entire for most of the season that they needed a big man in the middle, as most people were. Because, you know, there was obviously something lacking there. Yes, when you have two guards that can't guard a paper bag, you're putting your center and your power forward at risk. They're never going to be able to cover everything. But so I was surprised at the defensive impact he had. But as far as making the team better in general, yeah, I'm not really that surprised. And I think it was a, I thought it was a really good pickup for them to begin with. Anyway, this is where I'm going to cut the podcast off. And if you want to hear the rest of Tim and my conversation, you have to go over to the Drive and Dish podcast and hear us talk about Rookie of the Year and a bunch of other random stuff. And uh, anyway, thank you, Tim, so much for coming on the Super Flight podcast. If you guys want to check out Tim, you can go to the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. Check him out on Twitter. And you can also follow Tim Tompkins on the Solar Panel uh, Suns NBA podcast. So once again, thank you again, Tim, for coming on. And I'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.